It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hurry into Chemist Warehouse to find half price off selected Microgenics vitamins and supplements. And Kogan Mobile, New Zealand's cheapest unlimited prepaid plans. Visit koganmobile.co.nz. This is Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. I'm caught in a flashback. Good morning to you. It is 6.04 on Wednesday, the 11th day of January for 2023. And this is MacIver for breakfast, thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Neeps is back after being sick with the sea. And Mr. Swinkles. Yes, Mr. We, Swinkles. We don't Mr. say Sp- the, full, the full word here. <laughs> no, no. It's, it's outlawed. The one that ends in starts and scene ends in D. But good to have you back, Neeps. Great to be back, Stephen. Thanks for having me for my for my first <laughs> show back of the year. Thanks for having me. He's such a polite young man, isn't he, Swinks? He's such a polite young yeah, man. He's a, he's a champ. Uh, no, although he took his cap off this morning, I didn't realise he had uh, this uh, bleached hair look. Oh. Man, oh, what's going oh, on? What's I going on there? I haven't seen this yet. He's going for the Shane Heal vibe. Yeah, don't want to take the hat off, Swinks. Does anyone know who Shane? Does anyone, reaction. Hey, does he even know who Shane Heal is? <laughs> The old Slim Shady number, if you will. Uh, there you go. So you didn't know who Shane, he, he completely, he dissed you on Shane Heal. Do you actually know who Shane Heal is, Neeps? No idea. Sorry, Stephen. Famous Australian basketballer. Start learning, son. Start learning. You're on a sports uh, radio station. not listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, headphones back on low. Hey, welcome to uh, McIver for breakfast till nine o'clock this morning and uh, back tomorrow and then Things change again as in keeping not too far away from getting back into the the groove. Uh, This is what you can look forward to over the next three hours. We're going to talk to Michael Carriatis. We're not going to talk to him. He's going to preview the Warriors 2023 season. There is a little bit of a rugby league vibe with our can't wait question of the day. So hang around for that one because that's uh, something to look forward to. We're going to do Quizzy Dag a little bit earlier this morning, around 6.40. So that's uh, something you want to get amongst because we love that. Going to talk to Charlie Wurtz. 
He's a race car driver. Yes, he's a race car driver. His dad was a Formula One driver. He's come out to take part in the Castrol Tour Formula Regional Oceania Championship, which is the newfangled name for the old Castrol TRS series. But it's now a Formula Regional series because, and in the world of single seaters, you can get super license points. Super license points means if you get enough, you can race F1. And that, my friends, is a rather big deal. Also going to hear from Brian Cooper. This is a really lovely story. 55-year-old pro golfer in, in America who has been very open about his struggles with depression, but has finally made the Tour Champions list after going through Q School. We'll hear from Brian around 8.05. Also, Marcus Daniel, our tennis commentator on Sky Sport, uh, bronze medalist at the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo with Michael Venus in the doubles about how the Open's going. It was a tough day yesterday, I can tell you. Everything indoors, but thankfully, Nico Lamprin, the the tournament director, made a very quick decision. You know what? Where the forecast is poo, let's just get inside and get on with it. And that we did. So that's the important thing. What is also important is this. The number to call on the Kennard's Hire phone line if something's getting up your nose or you just want to talk about anything. The Kennard's Hire phone line is 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. And then, of course, there's the Temper Bed Post text machine. If you want to get on the old, I don't want you to know who I am, Stephen, double eight double three. That's double eight double three. Temper and bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and your feet up in comfort. Actually, Swinks, you know what? Last night, I think I had my best sleep all week. I actually think I got over two hours, three I, hours. I love to hear that. Also... Nico, are you so tight with Nicholas Lamper now that you just called him Nico? Oh, did I say that? <laughs> oh, hey, hey. Too early for that. Way too early to start throwing shade back at me. No, I love it, mate. I love it. It's just, you're obviously working so hard and he uh, no. respects the man. Actually, to be fair, it's not that hard when you're just going to sit around and watch tennis, right? Let's 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 cut to the chase about the job. the job. The job is a good job. You, you, people don't see what we do outside of the job, but there, there are just long hours. Sometimes you rush to wait. Do you understand that phrase? Rushing to get stuff, and let's just sit back and wait. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to say, it's pretty hard. It was a pretty hard deal yesterday inside the dome at uh, ASB Tennis Centre because it just has got zero vibe. No fans are allowed in. <clears throat> Thankfully, we're allowed in because we're media. Well, actually, <laughs> on the telly because we're showing it to watch some stuff. But what I find fascinating, found fascinating yesterday was None of the players that I interviewed were too upset with going inside. They'd been given a heads up. Mm. So they just got to adjust. And everybody's in the same boat. I tell you who was really cool. Six foot seven, uh, American, young Chris Eubanks. Looks like a, a, a bee, you know, the old classic line, who's the beanpole? My word, he could throw a bomb down like John Isner. And he's got this amazing backhand. We've been, backhands have seemed to have been the theme in our preview show for the last two days. Yeah. This guy's got a, it's like a whip. If you can think, if you hold a whip and you do your backhand and whip it, you know, that's my that's my foley artist um, impersonation of what a whip sounds like. Yeah. A foley artist is the person that makes all the sounds on movies. Just to let you know if you didn't know that. Oh, and such a cool cat, really lovely bloke. He's made into the second round. He got rid of Ugo Umber. You would have heard Aroha and the news talk about that Ugo Umber, who was the defending champion, and needed a wild card to get in. So Monsieur Lamperin, who was the 
tournament director gave him a wild card. And she sounds better, Monsieur Rampo, does it not? It's very smooth. I, I, I want to know, <laughs> McIver, how, how do you feel interviewing someone six foot seven? <laughs> well, the good thing about that is I'm not on camera. <laughs> That's what you call the over-shoulder shot. Just look at the big dude and you don't see me. And you know, there's only one time. You know what? I have never, ever stood on a box. They have tried to stand me in a box, even at bar when I did the basketball, the breakers. I said, stick that box up your, you know, Jaxie, and away. I will never stand on the box. I'm comfortable with my height. I'm 5'10"-ish. <laughs> Someone get the measuring uh, tape out. <laughs> hey, it's 6'11". Better do our can't wait question of the day. Uh, you lads will love this one. So if you're a Warriors fan, that's a New Zealand Warriors fan, although it should be called the Auckland Warriors, sorry. Why do you keep coming back to support the Warriors day in, day out, win or lose? Why do you? I understand it. You know, you look at the members, and there's a regular group of Warriors that are in uh, fans. There's about, I reckon, 10 to 12,000, right? And then there's the vocal minority, or the vocal, that jump on it when the Warriors are doing well. But they haven't delivered a title yet. Why not? Well, no, that's not the question. What is it about the Warriors that keeps you coming back to support them day in, day out? Swinks, are you one of these people that keeps coming back or do you just put up with it? Can't wait question of the day. <laughs> that was your subtle way of saying, could you have let me play that first? You didn't even I'm point just, at me and say, hey, 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 play that. Sorry, mate. You were just in a groove. You were in a groove. I didn't want to interrupt it. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I've been a big rugby league fan since I was a kid. Uh, my granddad, who's no longer with us, uh, he he played rugby league for Auckland back in the day. He passed his love for the game on to me. So when the Warriors came in uh, into the well, the ARL back when it was, now the NRL, let's not even get into the Super League drama, uh, I was so stoked to have an Auckland team because, you know, Auckland Warriors back then. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just love them. I mean, they, they've been with me since basically most of my life, and it's that kind of thing do, do where I think. Tissue? Do you no, need a I don't need a right tissue. Right I'm just going to say that you, you look like you're glazing over a little bit. <laughs> when you find a team yeah. that you want to back, you back them through thick and thin. And that's what a true supporter does. Not a, not a, what I call a theatre goer supporter. Oh, they're, they're, they're going, they're going fair weather fans. Yeah. Oh, wow, they're doing well. Let's jump on. Let's talk about it every day, every day. Yeah. True supporters suck it up. But I, I, I but it's one team, one country, right? And I, that's, that's the interesting part of me because I think a lot of people forget there are other teams. There's 16 other teams now. And before the Warriors came along, the big team was Manly. Mm. That was the, the so-called New Zealand's team. Yeah, yeah. them, Brisbane, and yeah. and the Newcastle Knights for some reason. Yeah. Those and, were the teams that I knew about when I was growing up. And I'd, I would suggest now if you could throw the Storm into that, it's because there's so many Kiwis have played for the Storm. Well, they've lost a few now, uh, three in the offseason. So it, that's the... Can't wait question of the day. Why do you keep coming back to support the Warriors day in, day out, win or lose? And if you want to throw in who your team really is, if it's not the Warriors, we would love to know. We would love to know. Actually, our can't wait question of the day yesterday, by the way, was about putting the roof on 
at Stanley Street, right? And Michael from Matamata has just popped up. <laughs> and he said, and thanks for thanks for texting in Mike on the Timber Bedpost text line. Morning, Stephen. Nice how he calls me Stephen. You call me MacIver. Just want to just want a subtle dig. Uh, just a thought about the tennis. Why couldn't they make a court at Spark Arena and then they could have a crowd? And that I'm so happy that you said that because that was my answer to the problems this week. It was. It was, and I, I I like the idea of having it at Spark Arena. Well, you could have one court. It would be like the show court because you would still have problems if you, it was raining where you play the other ones. So it doesn't become an outdoor uh, tournament. It's still an indoor court or t- tournament. Okay. Woo! Big 10 minutes. Boys are on fire today. 6.14. So your can't wait question of the day. Why do you keep coming back to support the Warriors day in, day out, win or lose? Get on the Temper Bedpost X machine. Double eight, double three. I don't even care if you want to ring. But coming next, Michael Carianis previews the 2023 NRL season for your New Zealand Warriors. Six nineteen. If you're wondering who this music is, it's "Money" by Lime Cordial. It feels like it wants to put me in a trance and take me away to someplace soft and relaxing. But it's breakfast time, and that's the most important thing. Neeps, sort it out. I want things that are happy and bouncy and loud. Anyway, let's move on, shall we? This is MacIver for breakfast, brought to you by the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every time uh, and day. And it is time to look at SENZ's preview of the Warriors 2023 season. Our good friends, uh, Jimmy Smith across the ditch and Michael Carianis from the Daily Telegraph. Now, season preview, Michael. Mm. We continue. And right now we're talking about the New Zealand Warriors, if you have a look at last year, in many ways the, the honeymoon's over, isn't it, for the Warriors? Like, you oh, know, yeah. they've been disrupted so much over the last three years. But, but, time to put up, really. 15th last year, six wins, 18 losses in a clearly disappointing season. Have the Knights at home round one as mm. their first clash. So, just looking at the side, um, a lot of talk about who's there. Tamare Martin, Chance, Nickel Cookstar, Luke Metcalf. Murata Neokore, uh, Mitch Barnett, Dylan Walker, yep. which is an interesting one. But no Ellie Katoa, no Ben Murdoch-Masilla, no Ewan Aitken, no Reese Walsh. It's an interesting season for the Warriors. I think they've gained more than they've lost. Reese Walsh is the obvious um, out there. Ewan Aitken was really good for him um, in, in, in 22, but I think the, their replacements, Murata Neokore, Mitch Barnett, gives them a real hard edge to, to their forward pack. Um, so I like their... Signings. Dylan Walker showed at times at Manly how um, versatile and dangerous he can be coming off that interchange bench and playing in that middle third of the field, and that looks like that's going to be his role. Is that with, is with that the a, Warriors? Is, yeah, right. Is that enough for Dylan Walker? Like based on the way he did play, mm. you look at you look at you know what their side might look like. You go, mm, okay, and, and okay, if he's playing that role, what role Jazz Tavanga? Mm. Interesting. Like, like yeah. they're both 14s. They are. They are. Uh, but that's where they've signed. I spoke with Andrew Webster before Christmas, right? And and that's you know he he's still got to work through a lot of things. All the uh, World Cup players weren't back yet, and, and the like. But that's 
where he's got him earmarked for. He might have to play fill in in, in the centres or what, depending on injuries and the like. But looks like he's going to be have that roving commission role again. Okay. Uh, look at the spine. Tamare Martin or Chance Nickel Cookstar? I think Chance will start at fullback. At the back, Luke Metcalf, Sean Johnson, mm. Wade Egan. Mm. Uh, Taniella Otokolo is a player on the rise, okay? Future Kiwi hooker on that one. They've got the young guns coming through, and that's obvious with that that big uh, base that they have there. Uh, Valinga, Kepu, and Otukinakina Kepu, from all reports, are young players that have huge futures. So that's a bit of the, the scouting report on that one. Torhu Harris, we know, has been a beacon over the course of this yeah. time. So too, Adam Fanua Blake, but... I, I had real issues last year, um, Mick, with Sean Johnson. You there, weren't the only one. Right. There were some games where he he just, you know, we had Gus Gould used to say they've lost all desire for physical contact. Mm. And I reckon that happened 18 months ago for Sean. I think it happened at Cronulla, yeah. Yeah. I, I really do. And you speak to people at Cronulla and I think they felt that. Yep. Um, if there wasn't a change of coach, Sean Johnson would not be at the Warriors this year. Right. So I, I think... Nathan Brown had seen the signs that um, it, they were impossible to miss. Mm. You could, I, I, I could watch it and go, oh, he doesn't take the line on. Yeah, and w- one of the first conversations Andrew Webster had was with Sean Johnson. Picked up the phone and said, "Mate, are you in? Do you want to be in? Are you committed?" And, and Sean gave every indication that he that he is. The comfort of being at home for him is huge as well because he's away from his wife and kid and his young child. That's right, yes. So he, he, he yes. was doing that and, and he struggled, no doubt, and like a lot of the Warriors players, but Sean struggled with that. So the yes. comforts of, of being back at home, he hasn't been at home for years because yep. he had that stint at Cronulla. Yes. Um, so he's back there, he's comfortable, and they hope that will be enough to reignite him for one last season. If not, they do have that cover. They've got young Volkman, they've got Metcalf, they've yes. got Tamari Martin, who can play in the halves as well. Yes. If needed. So, um, if you, if you're Andrew Webster and, and that sounds like, so every, everything I hear about Andrew Webster is that he's an NRL coach mm. in waiting. Right. Yep. And now, now he gets that opportunity. So well done to him on that. The challenge around that is that you've got all this other stuff that goes on. That's completely unrelated to coaching, yep. right? You've got to manage internal stakeholders. You've got to manage the external stakeholders. And, and that's, that's the skill that the long term coaches have, mm developed they either have it or develop it yeah um so that's that's where the challenge lies for andrew webster but if you're staking your uh you know you want to die on that hill as james graham would say it's with sean johnson wow i'm glad he set some parameters and said right mate this is this is what am i expecting he, of you and if you don't do that see you later and he's such a controlling personality sean johnson such a dominant personality that it, it could be easy for him to swallow up a rookie coach yep so, because he's a star. He's a he's, former star. Yeah, and, He's a former Golden Boot winner. And if you look at that Warriors outfit, he's still the genuine star power off the field for that club. Right, yep. There's no Roger Tulvasa-Shek now. No. So outside of that, who, who are you saying is going to put bums on seats? It's still Sean Johnson. So he definitely has value from that point of view for the club. He's very marketable still, clean cut, but he needs to perform on the field. Just on Andrew Webster, he did have a taste of it at the Tigers. Yes. Where he, he was in charge for a couple of games, but that was... Doesn't count. Uh, it was a bushfire there, though. There was yeah. lots going on in and around him that, in the Sydney media landscape as well, and everything that was going on that opened his eyes and goes, "Wow, this is what it takes now." So I think that, albeit right. brief yes. introduction, allowed him to dip his toe in to go. These are the these are the tools that I need to have to be able to handle it. And it's a lot 
different over there in New Zealand, right? Everyone likes the Warriors. The yeah. Warriors are everyone's side. You know, if the All Blacks are losing, wow, that's a mm. problem. But if the Warriors are losing, it's like, oh, come on, guys. Well, um, expected of yeah, a little bit too. That's you right. Know? So, that's right. But that's that's the challenge. That's I, I th- the challenge. I think they've got a better balanced roster heading into next season. Okay. I'm not convinced of that. Um, where do you have them finishing? Bottom. Of the near the bottom of the ladder, so fifteenth last year, I've got them thirteenth. Yeah, I think that's probably fair around there. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. Oh, what a surprise! Our Australian counterparts once again bagging the Warriors, and that is not a surprise at all. They are a whipping bag for Australian journalists and commentators, and they have been for twenty five odd years. There are some things that our friends at SCN said, "Yeah, we're okay." Using Sean Johnson as a whipping bag, uh, that's an easy one. Anyone could do that. Sean Johnson is still a very talented individual, but as co- the word consistency to at the highest level is probably where he has failed. But he is still an incredibly talented footballer who is very comfortable with himself. Having spoken to him twice in the last 12 months, his head is in the right place. And what really excites me, Swinks, and this is the first time I've said excites me about the Warriors, talking to Andrew Webster, and you know the vibe I get out of him? Of his previous head coach, I get a cleary vibe, a cleary vibe out of Andrew Webster, and that's a good vibe to have. Yeah, no, I I would agree with that. Uh, we had Andrew Webster on uh, SNZ Mornings with Smithy when he was four days into the new role. Yeah, just celebrated the uh, NRL Championship with the Panthers, moved over to Auckland, gets stuck in right away, and you could just tell. That I mean, he loves being back there at the club, and he has this relationship with Ivan Cleary. Like they st- they still talk. He's still like oh, a, he he will be a mentor. Yeah, a huge mentor. So I mean, it's amazing that he has that relationship with Ivan Cleary, and as he goes on this path now himself as an NRL head coach. I think the key to watch out for is how tough he is if they're not performing, to make changes. Yes, I think they've got. I think the Tomate Martin. Positional question is still up in the air. I do like the idea that Martin comes into the halves and maybe partners Sean. Mm. Uh, do they go? But we know Chance Nicol Clockstad is the number one choice at fullback. He's not Roger, but he's good. Had a sad end, to, I think, a, a, to his end at Canberra. Had this wonderful two years, and then sort of fell off the fell off the wagon a little bit, so yeah. to speak. But I still think their buys like Morata, Niakore, Mitch Barnett. Former Newcastle, the word coming out of camp is that he is on fire and he'll face them in the first round, which is pretty cool, at home in in Auckland. So I'm not convinced that our Australian colleagues have got it quite right. They use it more as a punching bag for Sean. I hope we all want Sean Johnson to come out and show everybody and give them the, the major finger. But play consistently at that top level. Now, that was part of our... Basically, can't wait question of the day. Why do you keep coming back and supporting the Warriors day in, day out? Win or lose? It's worth a it's worth a temper bedpost text machine text. <laughs> Double eight double three. Oh, by the way, speaking of Newcastle, biggest news coming out of Newcastle in the last twelve hours. Kalen Ponga is shifting into the halves and will partner their new recruit Jackson Hastings. So it's Hastings and Ponga in the halves. How about that? All right, where did the time go? Yeah, well, before you throw to the news, uh, just a couple of quick things. The Knights and Warriors is at 
Sky Stadium in Wellington, not Auckland. So they're starting this season in Wellington. Oh, great. Uh, I, I love the Mitch Barnett signing as well. He's actually going to be on Summer Days with Sam Hewitt today. So nice. Listen out for that. Nice. Sky but- Stadium, not so nice. <laughs> uh, okay. Half past six. Here's Ottawa with the news. Thanks to Kubota. Together we are building and shaping the future. Someone give me a beard and I'll put my ZZ Top outfit on. Woo! 6.33, this is <laughs> Kyber for Breakfast, brought to you by the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Time for our little sports update. Thanks to our good mates at Kennard's Hire. They are hiring big. Visit kennardshire.co.nz. Swinks. Mate, you just threw me off on that. The ZZ Top, <laughs> I'm just trying to... <laughs> Create the visual in my head. Don't, don't. I'm not tall enough. Remember, I'm five foot ten, ish, ish. All right, yeah. We're still waiting for the, uh, the measuring stick on that one. Uh, yeah, big thing to come out of Football Australia. Uh, they've imposed record financial and sporting sanctions on Melbourne Victory. Good. Uh, this comes off the back of what they're saying is uh, unacceptable actions of the club's active supporters during the 22-23 A-League men round eight match between Melbourne City FC and Melbourne Victory FC back in December 17. After considering the club's response to the issued show cause notice and the measures since taken by the club, Football Australia has imposed the following financial sanctions totaling 550000 Good comprising of 450,000 fines and damages of 100k and lost revenue due to the sporting sanctions imposed those sporting sanctions are they require the club to block access to select seating behind the goals and otherwise restrict seating in the northern end of Amy Park to registered club members for the remainder of the season mm-hmm. okay and final series and include a direction that no specifically allocated club supporter seating at their away games will be provided for the remainder of this season or the finals. Those sanctions include also, this is the big one, a suspended 10-point reduction which may be triggered for each instance of serious supporter misconduct during this season and the next three seasons, ending at the conclusion of the (laughs) 25-26 A-League men's season. That is huge. That is really setting the standard there. There was a suggestion that they... I think the quote was, we're not going to impose a 10-point sanction this season to maintain the credibility of the competition, right? The credibility of the competition. So they're going to leave it up until the next three seasons. I don't think it makes any difference. Any difference whether it's this season or next season. But what it does say to supporters is if you misbehave, you are going to cost your club big. And they are one of the biggest clubs in the A-League. So over half a million bucks, no fans... For the rest of the season, basically, apart from the nice registered club members that are allowed to get the tick, and that 10-point deduction hanging over them, and it would be like an axe hanging over them. You want to, you want to know something, McIver? What's that, Swinks? If they got a 10-point reduction now, do you know how many points they would have? <laughs> how many? Zero. They're on 10 points. They've won, won three, drawn one, and lost six. So, I mean, typically Melbourne Victory are very strong, but uh, <laughs> things right. not going great for them uh, this season. Mate, so well, if, but that would have been – see, I would have I could have put up with that now 
and killed their season off now mm. and not hung it over their head for three seasons. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. Right, I would have gone, you know what? No, your season's done because this stuff doesn't happen again. If you want this to happen again, you know, we'll, we'll do it again. But we, I wouldn't hang it over them for three seasons because that'll, that'll, that'll upset supporters anyway. You're not going to go to matches. And by the way, your team's stuffed. That's what happens when you behave like a whole, a whole heap of baboons and get out of control. That's what you do, hard and fast, and move on. Anywho, just a quick text in on the Timber Bedpost text line, double eight double three. After hearing uh, Jimmy Smith and Michael Carianis, Mark goes, Hey, Big Show, they're just realists telling the truth. The Warriors will unfortunately finish down the bottom of the ladder. I hope they don't. You see, there's our question of the day. You know, why do you keep hanging on there? Because you it's love the hope them. that kills you. <laughs> yeah, but don't. But they more likely will. No, I am a realist too. You forget, I had 25 years trying to make him sound and look good, or make him sound good and feel good. The fact of the matter is, they have not had consistently the right management and the right coach for a long term. If they, I tell you this now, if they had, this is the coulda, woulda, shoulda line. If the Warriors had kept Ivan Cleary, they would have a championship by now. Full stop. Okay, if you want to talk more about that, you know the Kenneth's High phone line, 0800-150-811, or the Temper Bedpost text line on double eight double three. By the way, our sports update, thanks to Kenneth's Hiring, who are hiring big. There are roles to suit everyone available right now, so you can visit kenneth'shire.co.nz. Oh, look, it's early. It's early. Okay, so wherever you are now, if you're on hands-free, waking up, get your hand on the phone now, because it's time for... Quizzy Dag, that $50 bonus bet with the TAB is up for grabs now. So all you got to do is get on the phone, 0800-150811. That's 0800-150811. Did we give it away? Did we get, yes, we, did we give it away yesterday? <laughs> Man. Wow. Wow. I can't even remember yesterday. 24 hours ago, we, we're looking at, we're looking at like we've just been hit by a brick. Okay. I want to say yes. <laughs> you want to say yes, but anyway. Okay, the old blokes here don't know, but it doesn't matter. We would love you to ring right now. If you're a new caller, come and join the fa- fun. Quizzy Dag, 0800 150811. Get on it, folks. This is how you do it. Quizzy Dag, come play it. This is how we do it. Quizzy Dag, come play it. Quiz is on the line, just one at a time. Don't Google a lie. Phone a friend, you'll be fine. Just listen for the signs. TAB with the prize. 50 bucks if you wise. If you're wrong, and then we'll say goodbye. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. Quizzy, they come play it. Quizzy, they come play it. 0800 150 811. Now give us a call. 6.44 and it's time for Quizzy Dag. 0800 150 That's 0800 150 There's the $50 TAB bonus bet up for grabs. So let's get busy. Let's go to our good mate Ed and Tolliger Bay. What's the weather like your way, my friend? Well, I'm in Auckland. I'm at work now. Oh, It's I... raining in Auckland. You know where we are. Okay, I always thought, what, why does it say Tolliger Bay then? 
because I was there because um, I'm from there. I was there for Christmas. Oh, okay. I apologise. So, well, all right, man. Let's just get on with it, shall we? Who have the Warriors employed as their cultural ambassador? Oh, this Wairangi. Say it again. Wairangi Kupu. Thank you. Wairangi. He's one of the good men, too. One of the good men. 100, 139 games. Oh, I don't know. It doesn't matter. He's one of the good blokes. <laughs> I love him. I love him. Who do the Breakers play tomorrow in Christchurch? Taipans. No. Oh, oh! don't go far, Ed. Richie from Upper Hutto, I think one Monday with one call. Wasn't that right, Richie? Yeah, it was. Oh, yeah, okay. Okay, Mr. Confident, fire up. Who do the Breakers play tomorrow in Christchurch? Oh, and they, they lost last night too, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Um, Three, two, one, no. Nah. Okay, let's go to Simon. Simon, how are you, mate? Good, Steve. Yeah, uh, did he call me Steve? Should we just give him a, a bad answer straight there? Right give him one life. One okay, life. you got one life. If you call me Steve again, then I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce you out. Okay. Yeah, mate. <laughs> <Steven>. <laughs> <laughs> Who do the Breakers play tomorrow in Christchurch? Uh, Mel- Melbourne United. Good work. Okay. Well, question three: What's the name of Netflix's upcoming tennis documentary series? Three, um, two, one. There's a break point. Wow, at the death. Well done, my friend. Nice work. Question four, two away from the $50 bonus bet. Out of 62 test matches, the Black Caps and Pakistan have played each other. Pakistan have won 25. How many have the Black Caps won? Any clues for that one? No. No, no clues. No. They've won. They've won 25. Yeah, how many have we won? Out of 62. Um, I'll go... Three, two, one. Give me an answer. Eight. Eight. Nah, nice try, Simon. Appreciate that. Brenton, good morning. Good morning, brother. Uh, out of 62 test oh. matches, the Black Caps and Pakistan have played. Pakistan have won 25. How many have the Black Caps won? Pretty sure I read this out of 13. No. Nice try, Brad and Dunedin. What's what's life in the deep south? Sunny, I bet. Uh, no, it's a bit moist this morning, Stephen. What part? It's what? A bit moist. A bit moist. Yeah. <sighs> Let's leave it there. I'm told. Well, I'm going to Cromwell at the weekend. I'm seeing the the, the forecast fine, so it better be fine. I'm sick of moist. Uh, let's move on. Twenty five matches the Pakistan have won out of sixty two against the Black Caps. How many of the Black Caps won? No clues, eh? No clues, eh? Um, oh, I'll bet a few draws there. wouldn't have won much. Three. Last, I say 14. Ha- what did you say? Uh, 14. <laughs> Didn't need a clue. Okay, $50 is one question away, the TRB bonus bet. In volleyball, if the ball lands on a line, is that considered to be in or out? In volleyball, if the ball lands on the line, is that in or out? Uh, is it out? Oh, I think you might have handed the handed the uh, fifty bucks to Mike in Christchurch. Morning, Mike. Here you go, Stephen. Yeah, good man. Volleyball. If the ball lands on the line, in or out? In. <laughs> 
And just like Monday when Richie came in from Upper Hutt, one question, one call, and you're in. $50 TAB bonus bet, mate. What are you going to put it on? Uh, Warriors top eight. What do you reckon? Yeehaw! That was a that was a, actually a cynical yeehaw. Um, Warriors top eight. <laughs> you know what? If you feel that's the way they're going to go, you do that, okay? They've got they've they've strengthened their pack. They've got strong enough backup halves. They've got, they've got. I think the only area that worries me is our out in the backline centres. Okay, that's my only issue. But I I reckon you give it a nudge, bud. Go spend it. Don't go away. The boys will get your number. But uh, thanks for playing, pal. Cheers, mate. You are more than welcome. I shouldn't have been cynical. I apologise, Warriors fans. That is our can't wait question of the day. That didn't sound. You sounded genuinely excited there. <laughs> come on. No, come on, Stephen. <laughs> that is our can't wait question of the day, by the way. Why do you keep coming back and supporting the Warriors? Tell us. Tell us, please. All right? On the Timber Bedpost text machine, double eight double three. It's 6.50. All righty. Uh, we are talking to Justin Nelson, talking b-ball after 7 o'clock. And what happened to the breakers last night? They went down by three to the Perth Wildcats, 93-90. Uh, but there is a sunshine because they've, they've dropped to 13-7 and seven on the table. So they're sitting in third place behind the Cairns Taipans So they face this coming Sunday. So that's going to be an awesome showdown for that one. But one of the bright lights was Derek Pardon, uh, 28 points, 12 rebounds, 13 and 15 from shooting. This is what his coach thought about his performance. Yeah, I don't feel this is a game that there's any big performance from an individual player. Um, when DP is good, it's because we play good basketball. And when Tom is good, it's because we play good basketball, etc., etc., etc. We're not a team with players who go in and take over individually. It's not how we do things. Um, so, yeah, in a game where we score 90 points, it means we didn't do bad on offense. But in a game where we give 93 points, it means we didn't do the work. And 23 of them, like I said before, on the glass. You know, I would like to one question. That was Modi Mayo, by the way, the coach of the Breakers on Derek Pardon's 28 points. What's et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? What part of the stat line does that come in? Yeah, you did well, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> I so, think... I hate that, hey? That's, that's coaches and anyone not thinking well, what they're doing. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Modi shoots straight from the hip. And he does, I, he does. And I think, I mean, especially after a loss like that, um, going down, you know, three points, I just think... I mean, the body language said it all to me when you're looking at watching that presser, you know, not happy with the performance outside of Derek Pardon. Yeah, 28 points, and he hit 13 out of 15 shots as well, yeah. which is pretty impressive. Yeah, and he was he was big on the rebounding, but they yeah. lost one rebound battle, and that was the offensive rebounding battle. And this is what Modi had to say about it. It's definitely not a good showing for us, but this has been a constant thing for Perth for the last six, seven games. They've been averaging around 15 offensive rebounds a game. Um, we pride ourselves in being a better defensive rebounding team than this. We started the season off rebounding poorly and we improved a lot and this was a very bad game from us from this regard. Um, part of it has to do with the scheme. We were switching a lot and this puts you in a little bit of a size disadvantage but that's when you need to be physical and play with heart and five players need to get in there and grab it and we didn't do that work today and this is where we lost the ball game. Okay and we'll talk more about that after seven o'clock with Justin Nelson. Now don't forget tonight second one day international between the Black Caps and Pakistan from 10 live commentary here on SENZ. They got set, well, they, they set Pakistan, what, 255 the other day? And they came home at 258 for four and 48.1 overs. So Michael Bracewell's given his opinion on how Pakistan won that first ODI.
I think particularly the partnerships with the bat, I think um, the way that Pakistan batted there and, and were able to build those partnerships and extend them for a long period of time was, was probably the difference in the game in the end. If we're able to create those par partnerships first of all and then um, extend them and, and make them lengthy contributions, I think that will put us in good stead going forward. I thought 254 was plenty. The biggest problem is they couldn't bowl them out, right? If you're going to win a one-day international, you've got to bowl them out. This is what he thinks of their bowling attack. We started um, pretty well with the ball and were able to take a wicket in the power play. Obviously, we would like a couple more in the power play. But, yeah, and then um, the way that guys kept coming back in and adapting, I think we're, gonna, we're certainly going to be better for it. I think a couple of the guys hadn't played a lot of cricket coming into that game, particularly over here. So, yeah, it's nice for them to get a bit of a hit out and, and understand what the wicket's doing. And I'm sure... We'll talk about the, how we can improve our plans moving forward for the rest of the series. Michael Bracewell about the Black Caps bowling tag. It needs work. Second one-day international coming your way from 10 p.m. tonight here on SCNZ all the way through to probably, well, when did we get on air on Monday morning? It was like 6.30. Yeah, 6.30 with that so slow overrate. slow overrate, but... Uh, McCarty and the crew will be back in the digs and the dugout, we'll call it, uh, calling that from 10 o'clock tonight. So look forward to that one. Exclusive cricket here on the radio. Don't you love it? On SCNZ, Pakistan, the Black Caps, second one-day international live. Live, L-I-V-E in capital letters. Don't forget, coming your way after 7, Justin Nelson will talk about the breakers. Plus, we're going to talk to Charlie Vortz, international race car driver. We're going to spend the summer series starting at Highlands Park in Cromwell this weekend. Racing on our tracks showing the Kiwis and other drivers how to do it. He comes your way at around 7.40 right here on MacIver for Breakfast brought to you by the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day here on SENZ. Support a restful sleep with Nutrilite Magnesium Sleep Plus 60s from Chemist Warehouse, now only $16.99. And Kogan Mobile, New Zealand's cheapest unlimited prepay plans. Visit koganmobile.co.nz. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. Seven oh four, and we're just getting started here on MacIver for breakfast. Brought to you by the Chemist Warehouse. Oh, great savings every day. Sam Fender, just getting started with you on a Tuesday, the, the, the Wednesday, Wednesday, January the eleventh, twenty twenty-three. Our can't wait question of the day: Why do you keep going back and supporting the Warriors, win or lose? Why do you love them so much? Get on the Timber Bed Post text line, double eight double three. And why are we putting up with that horrible logo, that new One New Zealand logo on the front of their jersey? Uh, just listening to the news story from Ottawa, talking about the fact that TVNZ are having a crack at them. Uh, they were trademarking, and it looks like a One New Zealand news thing, the old One News thing. It's, it's a green version. And, I, I you know, uh, it's, it's like saying, hey, uh, who are you with? Who's your uh, provider? Oh, I'm with Spark. Oh, who are you with? One New Zealand. I'm with One New Zealand because I feel so connected. I'm with One New Zealand. It just doesn't sound right. Just, you know, I know Vodafone don't own them anymore. That's fine. But uh, it's t and you don't like the look on the jersey. Hey, Swinks, you think it looks... What do you think it looks like on the jersey? Come on, be honest. 
it looks like if you if you're a fan of the Marvel movies. Yeah, well, I'm a big fan of the Marvel movies. It's like the Iron Man, uh, the big <laughs> Iron Man heart in the middle of the suit there. So maybe, maybe that's a sign. Perhaps uh, you know we'll see an Iron Man strength from, oh, from the boys. Bring that, bring that one out. No, I just <laughs> but I don't oh, like the look on, on the graphic design side of things. Marketing, I just can't what marketing Muppet decided that they should call it One New Zealand for a start? One dot one dot nz you know what it was i'll tell you what i think it is we come out of COVID, and we're a team of five million and we're one new zealand that i reckon is why they come up with it i don't i don't for me it just doesn't work i don't and i'm and i hey i'm a vodafone customer right or i'm going to be a one new zealand customer Maybe should we get print green a shirt with my Iron Man thing on it. Anyway, just a little bit of fun there. What is also fun too is this. I love Nick Corey at Kyrgios. We've been talking tennis for the last three days, right? Because the ASB Classic. Kyrgios has tweeted because he's got a, a charity fundraiser exhibition with his good new mate, his new bromance man, Novak Djokovic. It's sold out in 58 minutes. 20 bucks a ticket, all going to the Tennis Australia Foundation. And he's decided to give it to people who don't like him and I think this is hilarious I love this quotes Nick Kyrgios on Twitter wow Nick Kyrgios is bad for sport wow what a disgrace a national embarrassment how dare he sell out another stadium the arrogance I love him I think he is so cool he can play tennis I would love him to win a a major a slam but if he doesn't he is exactly exactly what men's tennis needs because there are a lot of robots out there and he can he's the sort of guy that can create headlines in a crowded market in the world of sport anywho that's what's going down 707 here on McIver for breakfast don't forget the Kennard's higher phone line 0800 1508 have you got an opinion on anything that we have been talking about this morning because what we're going to yarn about now are the Sky Sport Breakers. Dropped a game last night to the Perth Wildcats, 93-90. They have dropped a position. They're now 13-7, sitting in third place behind the Cairns Taipans, who they will face this Sunday. Now, this is an interesting thing, because they have had a hell of a run. In fact, their schedule is, is manic. Now, Justin Nelson, our good mate, Sky Sports Head of Commercial and Events, joins me right now. So let's just work through this, Justin. Is this un- See, I, I wonder whether we're making too much of this when the NBA, NBA they play ridiculous amount of games. They play blink, 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 many games. So January the 4th, they play the Wild uh, the Wildcats, get the W, 97-94. Uh, Sunday the 8th, they get the 36ers, they get the W. Last night against Perth, they get the loss. Now, Thursday, they got Melbourne and Christchurch. Sunday, they got the Taipans. Is that is that asking too much? Morning. Hey, look, it is pretty relentless, isn't it? And uh, it's it's a it's a good question you ask because I think if you ask the players, they just want to play. You know, I go back to the the 2020 showdown that we had in the cells NBL. Um, I knew you were going to bring this lockdown, up. That that bubble. Yeah, and, uh, no, it's a good one, Mick. The great Mika Vicona, those teams were playing three games a week for, for six straight weeks. And the great Mika Vicona said it was the best schedule he'd had in his basketball career because he got to play and didn't have to worry about training. So, yeah, well, there's a know. lot there's a lot to be said for that. So you were you were the, the boss of the sales NBL at that point. Mm. So how busy was the schedule at a, at a local level? 
Yeah, look, I mean, it was relentless. There was a couple of games every day, five days a week, and it was go, go, go. It was a very different environment because we were living in a in a bubble, of course, um, back in back in 2020. But I, I think the, the complexity with the breakers uh, and the schedule right now is also the travel. I mean, played in Perth last night. Mm-hmm. It was a catch-up game. That game got moved, of course, because they had the COVID uh, run through the team pre-Christmas. Uh, now they're back playing Thursday night against Melbourne United. That game's down in Christchurch, and that is a big game because Melbourne United have won six of their last eight, and they are storming home. And then they play again Sunday against Cairns, and Cairns are in red-hot form at the moment. I think they've won their last four. So, you know, you put all of those things together, three games in a week, yep, it's a heavy schedule, but then you have to add the travel as well, and the breakers have a fair bit of it. Yeah, do you think, do you feel like this this Perth, this Perth leg... Uh, could be a bit of a back breaker for the games to come for the remainder of the week. Yeah, potentially, depending on how they, you know, rehab and, and recover. And they would have been straight onto that last night. Um, you know, being a Melbourneian uh, myself, you know, we regard Perth as another country. <laughs> so, you know, it is a fair distance to travel. Um, how they how they rest up and rehab really important. They're going to go straight to Christchurch. They'll fly into there. That is a huge game on Thursday night. Make no mistake. Melbourne United still think, and rightly so, that they are a big chance to make the playoffs. Are you? Well, the way they're playing, you know, they've won six of their last eight. It's all about finding momentum and form through a season like this. So, yeah, I mean, they're a chance. They win that game down in Christchurch on Thursday night. They're right in there. Okay, let's let's just go quickly turn the clock back 24 hours or less than 24 hours to the Perth match. Uh, the, this would be a concern. Modi Moore has, has obviously come out and commented on it, but they gave up the Breakers 15 offensive rebounds and the Cats scored 23 points off that. Yeah, look, they took 10-0 boards themselves and converted that into 15 points, but they gave up 15 and, and that was converted into 23. And that's the difference in the game. I think he's rightly you know, looked at that as being the, the difference in the game. I think it was as well. It's unlike them to give up 23 second-chance points. It's a three-point game. It's another tight game. It's another game on the road. And on the road is where they've played really well this season. They were in a position to win the game. It was a telling factor. I'm always a great believer that I always call the third quarter and most sports that have quarters of play. It actually, it actually came out from watching a lot of AFL, right? Particularly, and, and yeah. only, dare I say, the grand final. Because normally in the AFL, the grand final, the third quarter is championship quarter. And it, nine times out of ten turns out this way. So the third quarter for the Breakers, they went 20 and 8. Yet Perth came home on an 11 and 4 run. Now, that, is that a mind thing? Uh, 11,000 screaming people in a stadium <laughs> certainly helps uh, build momentum as well at, uh, at an important time. And uh, you know, look, there's been a lot of talk in the Australian NBL uh, over the years and certainly a lot this year about uh, the whistle and, and the calls that seem to go your way, you know, when the fans are up and shouting and screaming. And, you know, Modi Mayor has, has not spoken about the referees at all this season. You have a look at his press conference after last night's game. He spoke about the officials for the first time. So the pressure, the stress is definitely on. And uh, it's going to be a heck of a ride home. They've got eight games left, the Breakers. And four of those games are against the bottom two teams. Okay, so the way they are playing and the way they are sharing the points scoring. Uh, Barry Brown Jr., 16 points, three assists. Jarrell Brantley, 13 points and seven rebounds. So all the big guns coming out to play. You'd be 
stupid not to back them to be playing finals football. Oh, Sorry, uh, finals football, ball, basketball. excuse me. My bad. <laughs> um, Derek Pardon, 28 and 12 last yeah. night. He, he was an absolute star. I, I think the, the, the one that stood out for me last night, you know, Tom Abercrombie, superstar of the game. We, we know that, superstar of the Breakers. Played 23 minutes, didn't score. It's unlike him. We know his scoring has is, is, is stepped back this season. We know he's there, definitely leader. Defensive capability is through the roof. Um, he'll be disappointed with, with his performance last night. He'll bounce back. Uh, look, two games, Melbourne United Thursday night, Cairns on Sunday. You've, you've got, you've got uh, that I, one stuck in your head, haven't you? You've yeah, got that Melbourne yeah, United yeah. game totally stuck in your head. It is a massive uh, clash, not only because the Breakers will be keen to bounce back, but Melbourne United have to keep winning to make the playoffs. So it's a double-edged sword coming up. It's one of those, you know, eight-point games, as as we would call it, or four-point games, two games in one, depending on which code you come from. But uh, it is a big one, yeah. Well, Melbourne are sitting in uh, three, four, five, seventh position. It's like it's like a Hail Mary season from their hand now. Now, if they make it, that's the biggest Hail Mary ever. Yeah, they're storming home. Um, as I said earlier, six of their last eight. And, uh, you know, they did have an, uh, a very Melbourne United-unlike start to the season. Um, but they're coming good at the right time. And, uh, you know, they're going to come over here full of steam and they know what's on the line. And uh, I think, you know, for those that are going along to that game in Christchurch on Thursday night, you're going to have a lot of fun. One stat that came out during the week of interest, and, and this is on all of us, this is on everyone, right across... New Zealand, we love the Breakers. They've, they've been an incredible team for, for two decades. New Zealand currently sits ninth out of the 10th teams on average crowds, ninth in the league. We're going to get along. We're going to get along and support the Breakers. We're going to build the numbers in the stands, and we've got to cheer them on. Now, that, that surprises me. Now, do you think that – now, hang on. What, what, when do, what, do those, <laughs> what do those numbers cover? What, what are the dates on that one? Is that just this season? Well, that's this, that's this yeah, season. See, that's I, average see, I, home I, game I, attendance. I'm, I'm, I'm calling that out as um, COVID-induced because when they were running and they were hot, they were literally selling out all the time, right? And they, yep. are, they are a much, much – and we know, Justin, the Breakers are a much better team now than they were to, uh, the last two seasons. Full stop. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about it. And – you know, here's our chance. You know, we've put it on the table this morning. We've called it out. That's that's a stat. That's a fact. That's what's out there right now. So here's our chance. They've got some big home games to come. Hopefully, some playoffs to come. Yeah. Let's get out and support. Oh, don't them. don't hang on, hang on, hang on a minute. You don't give us the hopefully the playoffs. You've just said the last four games <laughs> against teams that are sitting down the bottom of the toilet. Come on, man. You contradicted yourself. Well, as, come on, come on. As as all good coaches would say, it's in our hands and uh, it's definitely in the hands of the breakers from here. Oh, you see, that's why you're in commercial and events. You're just playing that nice <laughs> promo line. doing It's in your hands, people. Come on. Uh, something that I'm a little light on, and you're going to help me out here, uh, free agency in the sales NBL. Yeah. What's going down right now? And who are the big names that are, might be popping up or back or around or whatever? Yeah, look, it opened up on, on Monday morning and the first couple of days have been fairly quiet. Uh, certainly teams are holding back and I, I think the, the announcements are going to pick up. There's no doubt about that. But the Manawatu Jets have been the early front runners. They have hit the opening two days of free agency and this is when teams across the cells NBL can announce who they've signed. 
for season 2023, which tips off on April 6th. But the Jets have come out, bang, bang, opening two days. They've announced two imports and two really good imports. Danny Pippen, six foot ten, 25-year-old out of Detroit, Michigan. And yesterday they announced LeGerald Vick out of the Kansas Jayhawks, which is a breeding ground uh, for great players, NBA players, Two really good announcements for the Jets to start free agency. See, see, this this fascinates me. You know, they could they could probably go play different ball around the world, and I'm and I'm suggesting the money is not going to be huge to come and play in New Zealand. So why are they? Yeah, it's a really good question. We saw it in the Toihi Women's Competition last year as well. Five uh, WNBA-drafted players came here and played that inaugural season, and I think there'll be more uh, this season. A couple of reasons. It's a great country. I mean, it's a fantastic country that I think everyone globally wants to come and visit at some stage, and that includes basketballers. Um, English-speaking, so it's easy transition. Um, Again, global sport. These players travel the world. It's an easy transition to come into. Uh, and I think the other thing is it's been a, a certainly the Cells NBL has been a proven stepping ground to bigger contracts in the Australian NBL. Uh, Tory Craig played here. Obviously, he's a star in the NBA these days. So it is a great stepping stone onto bigger contracts uh, elsewhere. See, this is where I'm going to pay you a huge compliment. We've talked about this before when you got the Cells NBL into ESPN for nothing, basically, yeah. just to purely make it uh, visible during COVID. Do you think that has had a long term effect now and a flow on effect? And now people say, well, actually, if I go and play in New Zealand, for all the reasons you've listed, it'll be a nice part pathway step for me going forward yeah good point and uh, i i think there that's a genuine um uh big tick yes uh last three years obviously every game live on on espn and watch this space there's a, an espn <laughs> announcement about to come out so oh, just jump the gun just, there watch this space. oh okay so we, we're going to see more on espn aren't we just full stop don't 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 ruin well, it completely I'll just nod my head at this end, <laughs> Okay, think, folks, um, unofficially sells NBL all over the ESPN <laughs> again, but that would be ESPN Hello. Australasia, right? No, throughout the United States. So every game live uh, throughout um, the United States and, and Puerto Rico. So, yeah, watch this space. More news to come. Watch this space and the call from Dylan Belcher saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? What's going on? Hey, you're not in there anymore, Nelson. Stop it. Stop it. Hey, uh, it's always it. it is always hey, just quickly, you're a Warriors fan? Mm. Yeah, can't wait to see the Warriors back in action, yeah. Why? Oh, it's a, I, you know, one thing that as as it just amazes me, the negativity that goes on. Uh, look, new season, fresh start. It's up and going again. Get behind them. Absolutely. That's, no, that's, that's cool. That's because that's our question of the day. Why do people keep going back to the Warriors? Because, you know, they, we're still waiting for that first championship. Do you, I mean, do you, There's do always you... hope. Oh, wow. Another deep and meaningful always moment hope. from Justin, Mo, Justin Nelson. <laughs> okay, folks, here's the quote of the day. There is always, not about a matter of faith. There is always hope. <laughs> Justin, you're a champion, mate. Have a great Wednesday. Hey, good on you. And if you're using that as the quote of the day, you're in trouble. <laughs> it's a good one. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. 7.20 here on MacIver for Breakfast, brought to you by the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. <laughs> 
7.26 on Macaiba for Breakfast, brought to you by the Chemist Warehouse. Great savers every day. That's our Anzac Friends Coterie, little Aussie band, little song called Cool Down. 7.26, if you're just uh, staying, staying in our uh, hoops theme for just a moment, uh, we, we, you remember yesterday we spoke about Kevin Durant uh, and a little sprain he's had. Well, it's an MCL. He's out for the next two weeks for the Brooklyn Nets. Oh, that looked like it was painful to take, Swinks. Oh, it's just been a rough season for uh, KD and his knees. Okay, oh, oh, KD. Okay, good friend of yours, is he? KD. This is what the cool kids call him. That's what the cool kids yeah. call him. With the Brooklyn Nets. Yo, KD. Yo, what's up, KD? No, that's fine. Uh, but if you're a Steph Curry fan, you'd be pretty happy. He hasn't played since the 14th of December. Looks like he's going to front tonight for Golden State against Phoenix. Does that get you excited? Uh, wow. No, I'm not. I'm not a Golden State Warriors fan. Um, How could you not be with the, someone like Steph Curry playing? I, I'm one of these. I'm, I'm, I'm a theatre goer when it comes to basketball. You know, like I love going to a Breakers game. Not that I've had been to a Breakers game for don- donkeys, but I love just the idea of stars. I love stars who consistently perform and light up a room, light up a, a stadium. And Steph Curry's one of those guys. And they struggle without him. It's 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 obvious, right? Are you are you one of the? Because I mean, here we go. There's there's all the kind of I guess school of debate here that mm-hmm. with NBA basketball, some people pick a team, some people follow a team based on the player. Yes. So do you follow a player rather than a team? Uh, it's a very good question. Hmm. I because I okay. So here's my read on that one. Because we're so immersed in sport and we cover so many sports. I don't really follow many teams or a the only team that I really follow in American sport is the Dallas Cowboys. And in that respect, I'm not a a cowboy fanboy. I just like you know why I like the Dallas Cowboys? Because when I moved to Auckland in the early 90s, uh, Troy Aikman was the quarterback and they they I think they went went back to back and I still remember sitting in my little flat uh, drinking as many Budweiser as I could, lining them up on the mantelpiece, Jeez. and hot dogs, and you know, and chips, and guacamole, and and getting and getting into it, right? And I think I loved that whole NFL experience. Then I went and watched that uh, Amazon series, All or Nothing. All or Nothing. Go and watch the one on the Dallas Cowboys, and the you understand why the Americans team when you look at their their billion dollar complex. It's called the Star, and it's their own complex, right? It is a monster, and to get inside and understand that team particularly is pretty cool. And so am I a team guy? Am I a star boy? Yeah, I, I, like, I like high-performing athletes yeah. who bring the heat. Nick Kyrgios, right? Wild child, Nick Kyrgios, it doesn't matter. He's a great tennis player. Well, he's a good tennis player. He can only be. I think you can only start throw the great out when they've when they've won Grand Slams. I think that's that's a see that's a funny thing, right? We we throw this word legend out all the time. We, oh, you're a legend. Nah. So is that a is that street talk? Say, oh, you're a legend nowadays. Is it because we throw this out? Because true legends are the likes of Roger Federer in tennis, Rafa Nadal, uh, Richie McCaw is a, I would suggest is a rugby legend. Oh, you didn't bite on that one at all. You don't think Richie's a rugby I legend? I do. I don't know where you're reading that well, from. Well, I was looking because <laughs> your eyes didn't, your eyebrows didn't raise that as if to agree with me. Or were you shocked that I actually uh, mentioned a rugby player? <laughs> That's what it comes down no, to. I huh? think if I raise my eyebrows, you probably think 
Am I doing like the the rock? Oh, uh, no, I tell, okay. So for me, here's a rugby league legend, and it's not the one you think. Kevin Campion. Oh no, I would not Why? debate that. Why? Oh, you're not going to debate it? No. Only because I saw what he brought to the Warriors when he came and almost turned the, their mental game around in one training session. Came there, he said, "Boys," he said, "Boys, if you stuff it up." It's press ups. <laughs> Old school, turn them around. And that's love what it. I love about it. That's our question of the day, too, the can't wait question of the day. Why do you keep supporting the Warriors? Get on the Temper Bedpost text line, double eight double three, and let me know. All right, here's Araba. Thanks to Kubota. Together we are building and shaping the future. It's news time. Seven thirty-two. This is MacIver for breakfast. Brought to you by the Chemist Warehouse. Great sayings every day. And I'm calling that a little bit of indie rock, Neeps. Neeps, is that a little bit of indie rock? Yeah, a bit of indie rock, Stephen. Indi- um, indie we- surf rock or just uh, indie rock? It sounds uh, a bit of, it's got an indie surf rock feel about it. Yeah, definitely. I think that's kind of the main vibe around the country at the moment with a lot of our younger bands, <laughs> yeah, I think. There's a, there's a lot of young bands around. This is this is what, Tinsy Pam? Yep, Tinsy Pam. They're a Wellington-based band. They're awesome. They're pretty active playing gigs and stuff around there at the moment as well. So I'd highly go and recommend checking them out if you're around uh, well, that region. Well, actually, Neeps, why don't you just out? yourself that you're actually back in playing bass for someone. Yes, I sure am. I can download one of his songs as well if you want. Um, Sam Cullen playing bass for his band this year. He's typically a solo act, does the whole big, um, used to do the whole big uh, loop pads and drum machines and synths all by himself, but he's picked up a band this year and I was lucky enough to stag- snag myself a spot. Oh, so what's the name of the band? Uh, it's just called Sam Cullen. So he's the oh. artist, he writes all the music and I'm just his backup, which is quite good because hey, it takes hey, a lot hey, of pressure off. Hey, I hang out, with, I hang out, I don't hang out with a Bank called the Flaxies, which I hope to hear before yeah, nine amazing. o'clock. And uh, the amount of young talent in music in this country at the moment, I sat down. They, they, I was in their in their jamming room. We're having Christmas barbecue, but they went for a jam. And I watched this kid called Eric, a lead guitarist, just start winding up. I sat back as jealous as anything, saying. My God, if I had half that talent. <laughs> there is so much musical talent in this country at the moment. It is staggering. Thank you, my friend. Flexies before nine, please. Uh, 7.34. Time to update some sports for you with Gull fueling your mission all year round. Swinkles. Yeah, uh, some <laughs> cricket news for you, mate. Yep. I, I was enjoying the tunes too. Um, yeah, yeah. The Wellington Firebirds went big. They they went bang. They went big and bang. In the uh, four trophy yesterday, posted the second largest one day total in their history to set a 110 run victory over the Otago Vaults. What was the total, man? The total was <laughs> an emphatic 392 for six in their 50 overs. And they wonder why people are struggling with test cricket right now. <laughs> oh my God. It was their highest team score since uh, the 2012-13 season, ranked second only to the Mammoth, 427 for eight. They posted at the Basin Reserve two seasons ago. I can't even fathom 427 in a 50-over match. That's insane. Also, that was against the Otago Vaults too. Uh, Batting at first drop, 23-year-old rushing uh, Ravindra 
scored his third four trophy century with 113 of the highlight of the innings but he had plenty of support as well around the traps from Nick Kelly captain Troy Johnson and a quick unbeaten 36 from Logan Van Beek at the death wow okay that is that is bonkers but the bowling attack for <laughs> just let's let's not go there hey we've got to keep moving because we've got a very important call we've got to make we'll talk about that other very sad moment in cricket a little bit later on it's 7.35 but we're going to catch up with uh, Charlie Voortz race car driver in just a moment here on SENZ 7.40 time to talk motorsport this weekend is the start of the Super Sprint Motorsport New Zealand Domestic Championship really looking forward to this one it also includes the Castrol Tour Formula Regional Oceania Championship it's the old Castrol Tour TRS's open wheelers, slicks and wings, and it always brings out young, talented international drivers. One of those is Charlie Wurtz, whose dad was a, a Formula One driver. He, he's also won 24 hours of Le Mans, so it's in the genes. Charlie joins us now from, from Cromwell, I think, or Queenstown. Hey, Charlie, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Oh, mate, you sound half asleep. Have I woken you up? <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> so welcome to New Zealand. What are your first impressions? Yeah, it's been really amazing, like so beautiful, this country. I've been staying around um, Queenstown, so we've got done a lot of mountain biking, hiking, all those stuff. So it's been really, really nice. Does it remind you of anywhere in Europe or does it have a different vibe? Well, it sort of reminds me a bit like Austria, to be honest, and a bit like I've visited Canada as well. Like, it's just mountainy, nice, and very sporty, actually, over here. Hey, I, I read that you were keen to come out here because Dad had come out here and raced. Uh, what excites you about getting involved in the championship this season? Yeah, well, we know from yeah my dad's experience that the Kiwis here can be really fast. They know the, the tracks like the back of their hands, so they... My dad told me, like, when he was driving these the Kiwis, you know, they really know everything really well and they can be really, really fast. So it's really good to learn from them. And also the tracks are a bit old school, so it's a different type of uh, learning and <laughs> racing. So it'll be really, really cool and interesting. Well, the track that you started, I think you've already been out there. You Were t- were you out in the car yesterday at uh, Highlands? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that's a bit new school. But I always wonder whether you, you have a feeling that it's got a very European feel to it, that track. Yeah, we did the track walk yesterday, and it's definitely got a more of a European feel. It's still quite different to, uh, I think, what we'd see in Europe. Some corners are a bit, like, uh, crazy, to say the least, <laughs> with no no runoff. And I think there was one, <laughs> there was one concrete barrier. Um and it said game over on it. So <laughs> <I think laughs> if you hit it, it is game over. <laughs> game over is the uh, it's the very go kart uh, facility they have there. That's a sponsor, mate. So yes, yeah. I know what you're saying. Concrete is game over. I mean, are you aware that a lot of Kiwi drivers are elbows out? Yeah, definitely. I've seen it back in Europe, so. I'm definitely prepared for it, for this type of race. <laughs> Congratulations, by the way, winning the United Arab Emirates F4 Championship and, and coming fourth in the Italian F4 Championship. For those that don't understand, uh, the F4 and the FT60, pretty close, pretty similar? Yeah, I mean, there is it's definitely a step. Um, I think about eight seconds a lap, which is quite a lot. 
in terms of power, it goes from the F4 being like 600 kilos, 180 horsepower, to the FT60 being 660 kilos, 280 mm. horsepower. So it's almost 100, or well, it is 100 more horsepower. So it is quite a jump. Um, which you definitely have to get used to. But the cars are just much more fun, you know. More horsepower is more fun, basically. How, how quickly have you settled into the car? It took a bit of time, just the first few uh, days, but now I think I'm pretty much on power with the car. Charlie, do you think you're always going to be a race car driver like your father? Well, that's the plan. I hope... My plan is to make it to F1, and I'm yeah working very hard, you know, on track and with the family to do so. Yeah, I mean, but 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 were you? Do you think there was any other thing you would ever have wanted to do, knowing Dad had been at the top level? Well, I only knew that doing racing was possible when I was eight, like eight or nine or mm-hmm. something. Before that, I think my dad didn't want me to race or something because I I didn't know, and then I saw one of my friends was racing and I realized that it's something you can do. So I asked my dad that I really, really wanted to do it. So then I finally got the chance. And since then, my whole life, you know, has been about racing. It's what I love. Yeah, it, it must be hard for a dad sometimes. Did you have that conversation with him saying, well, you know what this takes to get to the point and, and the work involved? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a very tough sport where you need a lot of, you know, sponsors and help and a bit of luck as well, you know. So it's probably, from his experience, he didn't want to go through the same again. But uh, I think now that he's happy that I'm doing the same. Now, now remember, you, you can't be nice out there because you've got pretty tough competitors in your M2 competition team, right? You've got, uh, if I'm right, Callum Hedge? Yeah. And yeah. Liam, Liam Skeets, Correct. Yes, exactly. Mate, I hope you're nice to them because they won't be nice to you on track. They are are tough racers, man, but you are going to be pushed all the way, and I suppose that's something you want. Yeah, definitely. That's why we're here, you know, to learn as much as possible for when we go back to Europe because this is, in the end, a winter series that we've seen has been very strong and is very good preparation for Europe. So... The more tough they are, the better, basically. Hopefully not too much. But, you know. <laughs> just just remember that concrete barrier in week one that says game over. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. Uh, are the whole family out? Is mum, dad, uh, do you have a little brother? Do I see a picture of a little, you with a little brother? I do have two brothers, but they're both not here. They have to work for school. Um, and then I'm only here with my mum. My dad was supposed to come, but I don't think he is in the end because is a work to do. Oh, that's nice, man. I bet you. And mum's having a good time. Yeah, definitely. We yeah, we've been doing basically everything together, and it's, yeah, like I said, it's really like a beautiful country. So much to do, and yeah, we've enjoyed it a lot. Uh, just quickly, just quickly now. Uh, after this series, what's the plan for twenty twenty three? We haven't made any announcements yet, so we're still not hundred percent sure, but. Uh, I I should be doing the um, Formula Regional European Championship next year, which is, I think, from F4, like the logical steps. Yeah. It's between the FIA F3, like basically World Championship, 
and it's a very, very high-level championship, so it should be good. Oh, Charlie, I appreciate you getting up early and spending some time chatting about the series which starts this weekend at Highlands. And make sure you try and make your team boss, Mark Pilcher, smile as much as you can. <laughs> Sometimes he struggles with that, but he's a good man. And I will see you, because I'm coming down to work the series. I'll see you at the weekend, man. I look forward to catching up. Okay, thank you very much. See you then. Yeah, I'm more than welcome. Charlie Vortz, what a great young man. Uh, Son of former F1 driver Alexander Vortz. He will be racing in that Formula Regional Oceania Championship Series, which starts this weekend live on Sky Sport and also live on Sunday on TV3. So it's a motorsport mayhem for the next five weekends in a row. This weekend will include uh, the Pirelli Porsches, the Toyota 86s, and the GT New Zealand Championship as well. So some Ferraris and some, some McLarens and some Janettas and, you know, just very cool cars rolling around. So if you are in Cromwell and want to spend a weekend looking at motorsport and the next generation of potential Formula One drivers or IndyCar drivers, give it a look. And by the way, Highlands has got a great museum, a great car museum, and um, toilets where you can... Um, <laughs> I know this sounds weird, Swinks, but they've got a toilet, you know, like urinals. And and, and this is going to sound weird, but, you you know, the urinal is basically uh, into Donald Trump's mouth. How about that one? <laughs> is that a permanent fixture? It's a permanent fixture. <laughs> and then you look out the window, you're just hoping it's not two-way glass. It is a, not two-way oh, glass. I'd love to know who put that in there. <laughs> it's Tony a... Quinn, the owner, man. Ah. It's very, very cool. Anyway, whoo! Uh, that's something to look forward to. All right, don't forget coming your way after 8 o'clock. We talked to Brian Cooper, a 55-year-old golfer in America that's been very open and public about his struggles with depression, got his tour card, his Champions Tour card recently. We're going to talk to him about how good that is and how he's been battling the demons. And also Marcus Daniel after 8.30 about this today's action at the ASB Classic. It's 10 to 8 here on Macabre for Breakfast, brought to you by the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day on SENZ. Seven fifty-six. This is Macaiva for breakfast on SENZ around New Zealand and also on the SEN app in Australia, wherever you are listening. Good morning to you. It's seven fifty-six on the eleventh of January, twenty twenty-three. That is an Australian band. It's we're having a sort of a an Anzac music morning because Neeps is back after his his time with COVID. That was Spacey Jane who played it. Uh, Rhythm and Vines. Uh, what was the name of the song, Neeps, please? It's called Lots and Nothing. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> this song absolutely went off. I was singing at the top of my lungs, Stephen. Oh, so you were in the mosh at... No, nah, no, nah, up on the hill, hands in the air, beautiful sunset across <laughs> Gisborne. Music is pumping. Dave Dobbin is following shortly afterwards. <laughs> and I've had a couple too many beers. Oh, I want to cry just listening to you. You were so happy. That was just such a happy... Take me back, take <laughs> me back. <laughs> hey, whoa, the way, what was Sir Dave like? Oh, he he was unbelievable. I was I was a bit I was questioning it a wee bit because he's he's quite sick at the moment. But yeah. he was he was unreal. He plays a few of the songs a wee bit lower in key to just suit his voice a bit more. Yeah. But when you listen, you know when Dave Dobbin plays, you stop and listen. So don't this you? this is interesting. How old are you, Neeps? I'm 22 years old. So you weren't even around when he was at his peak. No, but I so my my dad had had all those old um dude CDs. So I, that's that's what I grew up on. Be mine tonight by the dudes. He yeah. played that one. Oh. 
Ah, so good. Now, I think Be Mine Tonight was his breakout song on the dudes. I'll yeah. Say, I tell you what, um, PU, Peter Ehrlich. I remember yeah. interviewing Peter Ehrlich, right? And Peter Ehrlich said that Dave Dobbin was the quietest bloke running around in the dudes. You know, he wouldn't say boo until the day he turned around and 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 said oh look I wouldn't mind having a crack at this you know be mine tonight and and I think I think Peter was a bit cranky because he was a frontman like no other he was yeah, he, he was, was a our, great he was, frontman he was a, he was our version of Mick Jagger in many ways when you look at some old footage of Peter Ehrlich, he was the he was the bomb man and then Dave Dobbin pops up and sings be mine be oh. mine tonight and uh, Peter uh, the I think he the he described it saying a seminal moment going oh Oh dear, <laughs> he can sing, and he can sing really well. I wonder how long this dude's things last. Yeah, oh no, He's, <laughs> that, that song is fantastic. Every single time that song starts, it's just hands straight in the air. Here we go, to you. lock yourself in. Put your hands up, is that what you say? Put, <laughs> your, hands, put your hands up put in your hands the air. Up put your air. hands up in the air. 7.58. <laughs> the musical breakfast rolls on here on SENZ with, with MacIver, Neeps and the Swinks. Uh, sad news overnight. Former New Zealand Test cricketer Bruce Murray uh, passed away at the age of 82. He's the uh, grandfather of White Ferns, Mealy and Jess Kerr. He made 598 test runs, appeared 13 times between 1968 and 1971. He was part of the first ever New Zealand team to win a test series in 1969 in Pakistan. How about this, though? He is one of only three international cricketers to take a wicket and not concede any runs. He bowled an over against India in the third test in Wellington in 19. 19- 68, and he dismissed opener Syed Abid Ali. He debuted for Wellington in 58, aged 18, went on to become the leading run scorer in the Plunkett Shield for the 69-70 season, scoring 430 runs from four matches. His highest first-class score was 213 against Otago in the 68-69 season. And our thoughts go out to the Murray family and his uh, great extended family. Uh, 11 grandchildren. They call it the Murray 11. Oh, no, no, they call it Popper's 11. I think that's really cool. So our, our condolences and our thoughts go out to the family of former Test cricketer Bruce Murray, who passed away uh, overnight at age 82. This is SENZ Breakfast. Four. This is SNZ Breakfast around New Zealand and Australia. MacIver for breakfast, uh, brought to you by the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Superstar, Superman lovers, Starlight. 
Not bad, Neeps. Not bad. Not bad at all. All right, time to head head off head off to Phoenix, Arizona for a really cool story. Uh, the word depression brings up many, many things. Uh, you can talk about the black dog, but it affects too many people in New Zealand and too many people around the world. But you can overcome it with help, and you can follow your dreams. And that's where the story of Brian Cooper, now a senior champions tour golfer, comes to play because he overcame depression, and but but he was very public about it. And we're going to ask him why, what happened, and how good does it feel to be dealing with the black dog and doing what he loves. He joins us right now. Hello, Brian. Thanks for joining us on SCNZ. Hey, how are you doing? Thanks for having me. No, you are more than welcome, my friend. I was reading the story here, and it, it is one of many stories that happen around the world, but for some reason, uh, seeing, a, seeing a 55-year-old, uh, which is a similar age to me, uh, dealing with this and then finally achieving their dreams, struck a chord. So tell us the story. First of all, why golf? Um, you know, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, I grew up a, you know, playing every sport, mainly, you know, hockey, baseball, and basketball. Uh, but, you know, in the summers, golf was a way to spend, you know, a little bit more time with my mom, I mean, with my dad and older brother. So, you know, I gravitated towards playing, never took it serious. Um, and then once in college, you know, once out of college, actually, you know, it just, you know, I had a really good friend that was a, that was a golf professional and uh, started playing some pro-ams with him and, you know, started some, beating some of the local pros and he was just like, hey, you should get into the business. And, you know, I was fortunate enough that, you know, well, I was unfortunate but fortunate enough, you know, in Pittsburgh at the time, there weren't many minority golf professionals. So, you know, it was going to be a tough racket to break. But I was fortunate in the fact that I was coaching high school hockey and one of the kids I was coaching, his stepdad's brother happened to be an investor in a course that had just opened, you know, like two years earlier. And through some talking and getting to know him, uh, I ended up getting a job as a golf professional at his club. And, and from there on, I just, you know, I, I decided that this is what I wanted to do. I stayed in Pittsburgh for a while because that's where I'm from and worked. And then uh, decided to move to Arizona. And when I moved to Arizona, I got I enjoyed less of working and folding shirts, <laughs> and started to enjoy and started to enjoy playing more. And uh, and that's how I gravitated towards it. But it was a it was kind of a weird road to get there. But you know, kind of fortunate enough to Is, to, to get there. So, at what age did you decide decide to try and become a professional? Oh. God, I think I passed my, I think I passed my PAT when I was 20, I think I started in the business trying when I was so, what was it, 94, so I was then 26. Yeah. You know, I think it was, it was 26 when I first took my PAT and, you know, um, I mean, I passed it on the first try, which was great. You'll have to, excuse but, me, can I interrupt, yeah, I mean, can I interrupt, what is the PAT? You'll have to help me out there. Oh. So when you become a golf professional, working at a club per se, to get into the PGA program, right. you have to pass a, P, a PAT, which is called a player ability test. So, you know, you have to go out, they set up a course, there's a target score, you have to play 36 holes, and you have to get your target score. And you can't really, you can't enter, at least back then, now it's different. 
but back then you couldn't even enter the program, you know, sign up for it until you passed your PAT. Um, now I think you can enter the program and the PAT is just something you can pass in due time. But back when I did it, if you didn't pass your PAT, you weren't even allowed to sniff getting in the program. Um, but, but, you know, I mean, I, you know, I, I passed on the first try and it's weird because when there was two of us that passed two, two guys, and he is that guy is still one of my best buddies to this day. Nice. He is uh, he 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 runs the show at the a Golf Galaxy in Pittsburgh. Uh, but he yeah he's still one of my best buddies to this day. And uh, it's weird that we still not weird. It's great, but it's it's cool that we still have that friendship. You know, almost thirty years. So so let's confirm. Removed. Let's confirm. Did not make the PGA Tour. Correct. Did not. Never got through second stage. Got through first stage, you know, a few times, um, but never, never could crack that second stage uh, bubble. Never could. So the dream was then to become a seniors to a professional. How many cracks have you taken before success? Well, yeah, I guess the dream was there. I mean, there was a point where I wanted to quit. I mean, there was a point where. You know, I was, I reached like, I was like probably in my mid forties and I, you know, it's like a tough spot to be in, in your mid forties. You're like, you're probably too old to worry about trying to make it to the PGA tour or corn Ferry or buy.com, whatever it was at that point. Um, but then, you know, you have to wait five years. So you got to find something to do for five years before you can take a run at the senior tour. And I, I decided at that point that I would. You know, I'd wait, figure out, play. I went to Latin America, played with the young guys for a little while. Um, and then went to Q School. Um, for Q School, for champions, mm-hmm. I made it to finals every year. I got through first stage every time. Um, at finals, my first two go-rounds, I missed top 30, which is a key number because I get you conditional status and straight into the Monday qualifiers. Um, I missed conditional status, my first two go-rounds at finals by a shot, um, which was, I mean, it was not, you know, it was brutal to deal with because I felt like, you know, I felt like I was better than that and I felt like I, you know, could could have made it all the way through. And then finally, my third year, I cracked through and got conditional status, finishing like 17th, I think, and you know, and I had a pretty decent year that that year. I mean, I I think I Monday qualified four times, got into two majors, um, and then the next year I went back to Q school again, finished like fifteenth or something. And then had a decent year. I think I a Mondayed into three or four events, one major, and then I think that was the year. Then going to come into the next year, that was the year I had. So shoulder surgery, which was a year ago now, and that's when all hell broke loose. Yeah, yeah, and and that's what I'd, I'd like I'd like to touch on now. Yeah, you have your shoulder surgery. When at what stage do you suddenly realize you were falling into depression? Uh, you know, I, I had the shoulder surgery in mid January, um, and I think probably. You know, about two months into it, probably around mid-March, I felt like, you know, I didn't know how this was going to turn out. 
you know, I, I really didn't know how recovery was going to go. It was, um, it was, a, it was quite, you know, I had a lot, I had a lot wrong in that shoulder more than we thought. So, you know, a, a four month turnaround turned into what we were projecting now to be six. Um, and so I think probably right in there, it started to feel like, you know, this might be it. I don't know if I'm going to be able to recover from this. And wow. you know, I'm pretty strong willed and I push myself pretty hard. You know, I mean, I still do things now at 55 that I probably did when I was in my twenties and I probably shouldn't be doing. No, but, no, no, no. Um, never, never, never apologize. <laughs> never apologize for having the brain of a 21 year old and having fun. <laughs> so, you know, and then, you know, unfortunately, you know, I am extremely, uh, I don't know what the right word is, but, you know, my son is everything to me. And yeah. then, you know, I started dealing, started dealing with some hateful, uh, jealous parents in his youth sports. And he's a, okay. he's a little, he's an elite hockey player at his age of nine. And, you know, that really affected me because that was one thing that I wasn't in control of. There was nothing I could do. All I had to do was sit back and deal with it, and it was something that was a, you know, quite difficult for me to do. And I think that really hurt me, and that that pushed me a little lower. And I think that was really the tipping point where it really got bad because you know I was trying to figure out, you know, what the hell? I'm his dad. Why can't I fix this? What is wrong? What is it me? Is there something wrong with me? What's the problem? Um, you know, and it was tough, you know, and that was, that was really tough to deal with, especially when you're dealing with, you know, parents who are just, yeah, just you know, pump your brakes, you know, stay in your lane and just chill out, so, you know, and so when, yeah. when was the moment you said, I, I need help? When did you, when did, did you reach out or did a not, friend not, reach out? Yeah, no, not for a while. I mean, I. I acknowledged it in probably April that there was a problem and there were some really, really dark days, but I kind of acknowledged it to myself. I didn't say anything to anybody. You know, I just kind of buried myself into, into what he was doing. I buried myself into trying to get through rehab, trying to decide if I wanted to still play this game. Um, a lot of that. And it really wasn't until, um, Probably like August, maybe early. I forget the day I called my brother-in-law, and I opened up to him, and my, you know, and I told him, and surprisingly, he says, I felt he says I knew something was wrong. I just didn't know how to bring it up to you and ask you. And we talked, and I told him that you know I was honestly I was quite scared and embarrassed to share that with, you know, his sister, my wife. Um, but that I was not, I was not in a good place. I, I was really in a very dark, you know, dark place. I thought things would be better off without me than they were with me. And then, and then, you know, when I think that, you know, I'd see a picture of my son or my wife and I'd be like, nope, you can't do that. You got to figure out a way. You got to figure out a way, you know, no matter how much you hurt, you got to figure out a way. Uh, and then finally, when I told him, he said, you got to tell, you know, my wife's name is Shelly. He said, you got to tell Shelly. And then a couple of days later, I told her. And then that was when, you know, I was lucky. The people I did my rehab with, they work with athletes and they work with, you know, therapists. 
and I reached out to my PT guy and I said, Hey, I need help. Dude. I said, do you know of anybody that works with athletes that can help? And he gave me a woman's name and I've been with her ever since. I actually just saw her yesterday. Um, and she's been an absolute godsend, um, to me. Wow. Wow. I mean, just, just briefly, uh, did, had you, did you not confide in your wife at all? It was that bad. No, I did not confide. She was the second person I told. Wow. I told her brother first. I told her brother first. Uh, and then he's like, you've got to tell her. And I'm like, I just don't know how because, you know, my wife looks at me as this yeah. strong character. You know, I mean. A failing of many you know, men, Brian. A failing of many men, pride. Oh, well, yeah. You know, and I even said that. And when I was open about it, when I acknowledged it out and open, I said, you know, it's a stigma that men have that they can't admit it. And, and, and that's wrong. And I was wrong. And, you know, it took me admitting it to know that I was wrong. And it's, 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 it's ironic you say that because, you know, I've had so many people on social media, you know, after getting my status and even prior to getting my status, because I was open about it. I shared it on every social platform I use. And I wasn't embarrassed about it, you know, and I had so many people reach out to me and thank me and tell me that, that, you know, because of what I did, they feel like they can now admit it and, and try to get help. And, you know, I remember one conversation in particular, it was a buddy of mine, his name is Barry Concert. He's a golfer. We were at first stage and he came up to me on the green and he said, and he, he pulled me aside and started talking to me about it. He said, hey, I've dealt with it too. He says, but that took a lot of courage on your part to be able to acknowledge that, how you did it, and so openly. And he says, I can tell you, it helped me just reading it. It made me feel good. So, you know, if anybody that's listened, I've always I've said, you know, if I can help, if this helps one person, and I've, and I've found out it's helped a lot more, if, it's, if it helps one person, yeah. then – I'm I'm overjoyed. It's it's and, I'm, and I'm, I'm overjoyed. It is such a beautiful thing to do as well, just to be honest with everybody. And if men don't speak up, then you know they're only fooling themselves. Let's fast forward. The moment you get your card, you're going to play Champions Two of the season. How good? How good was that feeling? Am I allowed to swear on your radio show? Uh, <laughs> well, mean... no, you can't. You can't drop the f bomb or the c bomb. So maybe we can. It was, it was, it was, it was, I, I still, you know, it's funny. Every time I look at the video when it's all said and done, yeah. I mean, I still get emotional. I mean, it's, it, it is, anybody who knows the champion store knows it's the hardest tour in the world to get on. I mean, to be one of those guys, I've always felt that I was one of those guys, you know, but to be now one of those guys, it is, it is a very humbling and, <laughs> experience and i mean i it's it's pretty cool and it's something you know i i'm I'm proud that one day i can you know my son can when he's old enough try to understand fully what happened it'll be pretty cool but he he kind of knows he gets it but it's it's a it's a if this is it's awesome, dude. I mean, I, I, there's nothing else I can say. It's awesome. Well, you know, you know, you, you know what else is awesome. You get to play against a guy called Stephen Elka, who's a Kiwi. Oh yeah, and he's and he's oh, pretty. Yeah. He's had a pretty handy season last season, didn't he? He has. 
<laughs> he, he he has. I mean, I, it's ironic. Alf's first event that he Monday for, you know, I Monday for. We both Monday up in Seattle, and that's where everything started for him. And you know, Alker's right here in the valley with me too. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't picked up a club except one time since the finals. Uh, you know, except last week I went to Callaway, but other than that, you know, so I'm sure I'm going to see Alk here pretty soon when I start going back up to TPC to practice. So I'm sure he and I will have a a little conversation. So it'll be it'll be fun to catch up with him. Well, Brian, we are incredibly happy that you beat the black dog, but you continue to deal with it. Uh, that uh, you everybody knows what's going on and the way you were helping people just by sharing your story. All we can say is we wish you the best of luck on the Champions Tour and go get him. But uh, you know, try not to beat up on Alk too much. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, he he's the one everybody has their eye on. Uh, I can't make any promises. I'm not. I, I don't want to go out there and make friends, but I definitely want to go out there and play well. And if uh, if it comes down to him and I in the end, I mean, that would be a pretty cool story. Well, you deserve everything you get, my friend. Thanks for sharing your story and and spending some time with us here on SCNZ. Thank you. Thanks for having me, and uh, God bless. Eight twenty one, Brian Cooper. What a great story. What a great story. And again, reminds young men, all ages. He's fifty five, right? Let's think about that. Took him a while to admit that he was struggling with the black dog depression. So that's the message for you blokes out there today. If you think you're struggling, don't hold it in. Don't think pride of it or feel any shame. Do the right thing. Talk to someone. Open up. The world will change for you. It's SNZ and Macaiba for breakfast brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Unequivocally my favourite, favourite New Zealand band, Flaxies. You've heard me playing them before. Young indie surf band going great guns. Uh, Tikitane helping them out and producing their, their new single called uh, Brain Teasers. And uh, they're a band that can go places. Indie surf and uh, Neeps has been... What's he been doing? Educating us this morning and all the great New Zealand young bands we have out there. But that's my fave. My fave is Flaxies. Tell you I, what, Stephen, they're getting up there for me as well. They're, I reckon they're awesome. And uh, all that you've been telling me about Tikitane and the, the production <laughs> of the new songs, I will definitely be tuning in. 
Flexies on Spotify, my friend. Brain Teasers is the new single. Although I've got to say, the one that 660 recommended on their, on their Insta feed uh, over Christmas, Lot 61. Lot 61. So give, give that a shout out as well. Hey, just quickly before the 8.30 news with Aroha, brought to you by Kubota. Together we are building and shaping the future. Wairangi Korpu's back at the club. Not playing, although I tell you what, at 42 in the rig he's got, he could probably still play. Uh, but he, yeah, look at <laughs> Swing's nodding. Yep, yep, that's right, mate. He's got a great rig. Hey, he's got yeah. a great rig. Oh, yeah, I wish I had a rig like that. That's a great rig. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyways. <laughs> he's I the can't, man. I can't. <laughs> I tried to interject there. I just can't. He's the club's cultural ambassador, new cultural ambassador, right? Uh, he's just going to help the club provide the playing group and wider club with support in a range of ways, not least in helping them deliver the program and represent them at cultural events. He is a very proud Māori man. I sat down with uh, Wairangi Kōpū one day and talked about uh, the Māori gods and Māori spir- spirituality. I could have sat down with Wairangi Kōpū all day and listened to him tell the stories of Māori history. It is one of the most fascinating conversations I've had, and it was over about 10 minutes. So they have got themselves a goodie, the One New Zealand Warriors uh, in Wairangi Kōpū. It's half past eight, now time for Aroha and the news with Kubota. Together we are building and shaping the future. On SENZ. Okay, that's just a mind blowing moment. Turn that up again, just keep it going, keep it going. That voice you're hearing is our man. That's our man, that's Neeps. And that's his band, Dense, D E N S E, as like me at some of the time. Dense, the song Butcher the Butcher. Neeps. You are a surprise packet, my friend. That is awesome, bro. I'll keep, I'll keep bringing them for you, Stephen. Don't my, worry about man, that. Man, that, that is so cool. Oh, my goodness. That's just made my day. Unbelievable. The talent we have here at SCNZ. All right, time to talk tennis. Uh, ASB Classic, day number three on the ATP 250 Tour, uh, helping us out and doing a magnificent job. First crack at it. Uh, Marcus Daniel, Olympic bronze medalist and uh, doubles champ all over the place. Morning, Marcus. Morning, Stephen. How are you? I'm good, mate. Uh, last night, uh, what did you make of uh, what you saw? Now, what was the last game on? Was it Laszlo Gira against Jean Mamuna? Was that the last game on uh, inside last night? It was, and they took it the distance. Ended up a tiebreaker in the third set. Jerry got his toes over the line. Um, <laughs> it was not the best hardcore tennis I've seen in my life. Uh, I think Jerry's post-match interview, you got a glimpse of how he thought about the match. He actually looks pretty down. He just won a very, very close battle, but said that the win was the only positive that he saw in the day. Uh, So he knows he's going to have to step up his level if he's going to go deep in this tournament and go deep in Australia next week. Okay, I I heard you talking about Ben Shelton. I think you were calling a big booming Ben with that that serve of his. Beat the seventh seed, Sebastian Byers, 7-6-6-1. I keep asking you uh, on our preview shows how deep players can go. What did you make of what you saw of Ben Shelton, who, who got the wild card, by the way, when Olga Roon pulled the pin? 
Yeah, Belton Shelton, we, we Belton started calling Shelton. him. That was it, Belton Shelton. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I think he's got a huge future. He uh, He's early in his, in his tour days. Uh, he made a breakthrough at the end of last year. But in the middle of last year at the Cincinnati Masters, he beat Casper Ruud in straight sets. Casper Ruud being, I believe, the number four in the world right now and the number one seed here at the ASB Classic. So he obviously has quality. And last night, he put it on court. He has a rocket of a serve. He's got a whippy forehand that he can really attack from any part of the court. Uh, he's also just a very confident guy. You know, he, he didn't look like he was out of sorts despite not having played many ATP Tour matches. And he won in a very commanding fashion. So I think he could go deep this week. I was impressed after talking and interviewing to Chris Eubanks, who beat 2020 champion Ugo Mbear 7-6-7-6. We've been talking about backhands a lot. He's got a backhand that's like a whiplash. He's 6-7. It comes literally from his feet. I, I wouldn't like to be on the end of that backhand. Yeah, Chris is one of those players who just makes tennis look effortless. You know, he's... He's a very big, tall, skinny guy, and he just lets his arms fly. He's got a booming first serve, and both sides, his levers are just so long that when he's relaxed like that, the the ball just flips off the the whip at the end of his racket. And yeah, his his backhand's got some sting on it. Okay, let's just look into today. We move into the second round, and some of the big guns who haven't played, they've got the bye coming. So we've got the third seed, uh, Diego Schwarzman, up against Jensen Brooksby. This is uh, the American that beat old Flash Fanini the other day. I remember you calling Brooksby just a wall to try and get through. Where does he try and beat Schwarzman today, or is Schwarzman going to be too good for him? The the tricky thing for Brooksby is that Schwarzman's a wall as well, but he's a wall who can attack. <laughs> so I think Brooksby might be up against it today. Uh, I think he might get taught a lesson in how to both defend and then turn that defense into attack. Schwarzman is class, and I think his class and his experience is, is just going to be a little too much. What is it What is it at the moment in this tournament? And maybe it's because of this tournament, Marcus. We're seeing all these young Americans. There's Brooksby, and then there's the wild child, J.J. Wolf, who lived up to that reputation. You said he's all in. He's all in and out and over the place. I mean, what what's going on with American tennis at the moment? Yeah, that's a good question. They have a, a wide, a broad crop of younger players coming through. I think it might be a product of this college system that I feel has really got its engine going over the last decade or so. And the level of competition in that college system has become really high. So you've got a domestic uh, competition that players can cut their teeth on. And, you know, they've, they've got a lot of options in those younger players. And in those younger players, they all have huge weapons. Yeah, don't they just? They've all got monster, monster forehands and monster serves. And they're not all over six foot, some of these guys. Uh, Yerji Lehechka went through last night, beat uh, Tiago Montero, uh, but he faces the number two seed. We, we seem to say he's ours, even though he represents Great Britain. That's probably the big loss of Tennis New Zealand uh, when Cam Norrie went to represent Great Britain because the resource was better. He believes, Cam Norrie, that he can go all the way this year. Do you believe that? Absolutely. Cam, I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed with the way that Cam's risen up the rankings in the world. He's one of the hardest workers on tour. He deserves everything he gets. He has such a tricky uh, lefty game, a big swinging lefty serve, a backhand similar to Adrian Manorino's backhand. He doesn't put much spin on it at all, but he can just place it in any part of the court. 
and then a heavy, spinny lefty forehand that pushes people around. And he's comfortable at home. He's gone deep in this tournament before, I believe. Nine, making 2019 made the final. Made got, the final. Got been to the final by someone we've never heard of again, Tennis Sangren. Apt first name. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so it was I, a family think... name. By the way, it was a family name. It had nothing to do with tennis when we spoke to him about that back in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, look, Cam... Cam is quality. He's beaten some of the biggest players in the world. I think last week at the United Cup in Australia, he beat uh, Rafa Nadal. I mean, this is a guy who can who can really compete and beat the best. Uh, so I, I really do believe he's going to go deep this week. Spinny forehand. Where did you find that one? Spinny forehand. That's, that's been sitting in my head as something that I've really, I've really not enjoyed playing against my whole career. Have you have you used it in commentary yet, or are you going to use it today? Do you, uh, spinny forehand. <laughs> I don't know. I might have to get a little more descriptive than that. <laughs> hey, but we do get to see Kasparu. By the way, his upgraded upgraded ranking is uh, he's three in the world, and he plays uh, Laszlo oh, wow. Gira. So what? What are we going to get from Kasparud? He's he's made a very quiet entry into the country. He played some golf with Brett Stephen and uh, Jeff Wilson, the former All Black at RI Lynx. That's the I think that's the new one up around uh, Matakana Way or up that way. Anyway, Mangawai Way. Uh, what are we going to see with Kasparud tonight? Kasper, he's he's one of those players who he sort of creeps up on you. So he he goes about <laughs> Stalks his business. You. He's very professional. Say <laughs> again, sorry. A stalker. He creeps up on you. Yeah, and, and I think what the fans here in New Zealand are going to be treated to is a closer glimpse at what makes him so good. He has so much weight behind, especially his forehand. When you compare spin rates of someone like Nadal, who's in a league of his own, Kasper one of the only guys on tour who comes close to getting the sort of weight behind his forehand that Nadal does. And he works incredibly hard on his footwork. He's in perfect position on every shot he hits. His serve is improving year on year, and he's just a, a quality competitor and a quality fighter. He really doesn't have many holes in his game, I was, and that, that's what makes him a world-class player. Marcus, I was talking to someone yesterday about the length of rallies I have witnessed this week in the men's tournament and been thoroughly enthralled with the, the you know, 20, 30 sort of shot rallies but the class of each shot that has been produced, do you think on the tour it has got better? Oh, absolutely. The The game is evolving and it's evolving fast. I think uh, Federer and Nadal lifted the level of tennis almost, almost themselves uh, in the earlier stages of their careers. And since then, it's just been on a this almost impossible trajectory. You know, you had Novak Djokovic who came along and added an, another sort of angle of dynamism and physicality to the sport and flexibility. And the way these guys can move around the tennis court these days is, is breathtaking. The, the amount of ground that they can cover. And I remember uh, calling the JJ Wolf Manorino match yeah. and there, the end of that match, the quality of tennis, I, I was blown away. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you have to look at Manorino as now being one of the the older guys on the tour. But there was a backhand that he whipped off his feet, uh, cross court for a winning shot. I think it was down the line. I went, man, it even it even lifts the older guys on the tour. Yeah, and and it's not just the physicality of getting to these balls. Then you know the the presence of mind and the the strength in the body that you need to stay balanced through a shot when you're just being pushed back and and wide on a court. It, it 
it's really impressive and you know, I only think it's going to keep improving. I was I was disappointed that John Isner went out yesterday. I watched his match against the, the French qualifier, Gregoire Barrea, uh, who, you know, he won the first set, needed to go all the way, Barrea. But i got to say, and, I, and you can call me out on this one, but it was only Isner's first match of the season, but he just looked tired as if he'd had enough. Like, ah, oh, you know, I'm almost done with the tour. He even admitted on our pregame show that he's his, even he's, he said, I've been doing this for 17 years, but I still struggle with the, you know, the demands of the tour. Maybe we're seeing the farewell, we've seen the part of the farewell tour. Oh, look, I wouldn't be surprised. John Isner has been on tour for so long. He's had so much success. He's got a couple of young kids now, I believe, and, and you know, the tour is, is demanding. You're, you're on the road for 30, 40 weeks of the year, and, and that's a lot. Uh, and I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, you know, he's probably in his mid to late 30s 37, now. 37, I, I think, John. 37. 37, yeah. Uh, I'm sure he's feeling different niggles in his body. It gets worse as you get older. Uh, you probably don't know about that, Stephen, but, yeah, it, it, <laughs> it really it really takes a lot out of your body, and... And I think we've seen the uh, the golden period of John Isner. He's had huge successes, huge wins in his career, and, and maybe maybe he's happy to wind it yeah, down. Yeah, deserves a break, as you do from me. Uh, Marcus Daniel, I will talk to you a little bit later on. Thanks for your time, pal. Thanks a lot, Stephen. You're more than welcome, Marcus Daniel. One of the good guys, and having his first crack at tennis, tennis commentary with Sky on Sky Sport three this week, and doing a, I've got to say, doing a magnificent job. He was built for the job. Eight forty four here on MacIver for breakfast, brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Look at the time already. It's eight forty nine with Stephen MacIver, brought to you by the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. The Timber Bed Post text line double eight double three. Uh, I can't wait. Question of the day, of course, was you know why do you keep going back for the Warriors? You know what what drives you? So get amongst it and let us know. Uh, it is day three of the ASB Classic Men's Singles. This is what's happening today uh, on the telly. I can tell you this is what the telly schedule looks like. Uh, first match up at midday today will be uh, Jensen Brooksby, the young American, against Diego Schwartzman, the third seed. That's followed by Yerji Lehechka. Uh, 78 in the world up against Cam Norrie, the number two seed. So that'll be must-watch, particularly all those ex-McLean's college shoots and the folks at Bucklands Beach where mum and dad still live in the Auckland region. Uh, match three, the qualifier, Chris Eubanks, who took out uh, Ugo Mbi yesterday, the 2020 champion, against the Belgian David Goffin, or David Goffin, I should say Goffin. Uh, the night session, Casper Rude, the number one seed, up against Laszlo Gira. Uh, actually, the last time they played, believe it or not, was uh, in 2019. Azira got the got the job done in two sets on clay. And then there's an all-French battle. Are you ready for my pronunciation? Are you ready for this one? Constant Lessien. Constant Lessien is up against Grégoire Barrère. Uh, that's the final match on Stadium Court. They centre court, Stadium Court. They call it Stadium Court at the Open, but uh, at the Classic, and then some call it uh, Centre Court. Also playing today, let me just remind you, uh, Ben Shelton against Quentin Ellis. He's another Frenchman. Also, Jao Sosa against Richard Gasquet. And also, JJ Wolf, the wild American against another American, uh, Marco Giron. Uh, well, he, he says Giron. I think it sounds better in French anyway. Doubles, by the way. Men's doubles, a whole heap of fun. Uh, Fabio Fonini and Bolelli against Midler and Area. Uh, the, uh, the number one seeds, Metkic and Pavic. Mate Pavic has won the Classic twice. They're up against the two young boys, the two, Ameri- two Kiwis. You remember my joke yesterday? 
Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> is it going to fall as flat it's, as it did yesterday? It just fell flat. Trust me, it just fell flat. Ryan Reynolds. That one's due out on uh, court two, they're saying, at 12.20. Michael Venus and Jamie Murray. You want to be a part of that one? That's at four o'clock on Grandstand. Weather withholding up against the American pairing of Withrow and Lemons. Lemons. I like Lemons. Alexander Bublik, the fifth seed uh, in the singles, out. He's uh, teaming up with Smith against uh, Vlijen and Gilles, a couple of Belgians. Actually, no, they're not. I lied. That's been cancelled. I just saw the, the big red note at the side of it. All right. That's what's going on day three of the 2023 ASB Classic. Back in a moment to wrap it all up. And this is McIver for breakfast, almost done for today, Wednesday the 11th of January, brought to you by the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Oh, just heard some good news. Ooh, 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 yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Corbin Strong, uh, Olympic cyclist, selected for Israeli Premier Tech. Cycling team, tour down under, not too far away. It's one of the big tours on the world calendar. How cool is that? We shall try and get him. I'm putting the pressure on the lads now in the next 24 hours. We'll see if we can get him because that is a big deal riding for a professional team because it's so damn hard. Be interesting to see what position he is in the team. Uh, coming your way after 9 o'clock, the Swinks. The Swinks is in his element because it's the hockey hour and it's not the field sort. It's the, oh, hang on, back it up quickly. Not so fast here, Stephen. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's all three forms: field, inline, and ice, covering all three in Ow! the hour. I feel a sizzle coming on, but you really, <laughs> you're gonna sizzle when we start talking the ice, ice baby, a baby ice, right? I got my start in field hockey. I, I know my roots. So hey, you're looking at the captain of the Pataro High School first eleven that won the local championship in my last year at school, man. Nice. Inside right was my position. I uh, guess what. Never played on turf, always on grass. <laughs> and it was the eras of hockey one, hockey two, hockey three. So get that up, yeah. How about that, eh? How about that? Are we almost done? I can't see. We are, no, I've still got a little bit of time to talk. Uh, I loved hockey, man. It was such a cool... I still remember the day I got really... Someone took my legs out. I came up swinging. Oh, you're that guy. I'm that guy. I came out swinging. And, and all I could hear from the side was my father on the side going, Stephen! <laughs> no! Tail between legs and off we go. That's not how we do things around here, Stephen. Not a patara, mate. No. So anyway, the giggle that you can hear is the musical director, Neeps. Uh, We heard his band called Dense and Butcher Butcher. One day I'll tell you the story about that, why they called it Butcher the Butcher. Uh, The Swinks is coming your way after 9 o'clock. I will see you for the final time this week, tomorrow between 6 and 9 here on SENZ. Don't forget, be a part of the conversation on the Canards High Phone Line 0800. 1508 11 or the Timber Bedpost text line on double eight double three. Have an awesome Wednesday.